you need to kind of marry those two things. I think that's quite a challenge, right? To marry those two skill sets together and then get very good regulatory overview oversight to the processes. And there's new tools and technologies appearing for that, plus having the skill sets to really engineer really good data processes to maximize, you know, the potential of your your customer, to maximize your revenue potential. This is That Marketing Podcast. Made by marketers for marketers. Welcome to another episode of That Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Spotly UK. In this episode, we're joined by James Isolet, CEO of data provider Cognizant, who addresses how data gathering has changed with the rise of remote work and how businesses should be thinking about ownership of data, both from a data handling perspective and also from the view of regulatory compliance. I hope you enjoy and happy marketing. Okay, welcome to another episode of That Marketing Podcast. And this time we are joined by James Isley, the CEO of Cognizant, the data provider. I think there's going to be a lot to talk about. So, um, James, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, thanks, Richard, for having me on the uh, webinar. So, I mean, data, I, I, I almost don't know where to start on this one. I think there's, I think what, what occurred to me this morning is we probably talk about data in, in kind of the abstract. We think of it as sort of existing out there which is why i thought getting you guys on as a as a provider would be a really interesting perspective and so my first question is obviously you know everything has changed over the last 12 to 18 months so i thought i'd start with what kind of data people now are after that they weren't after before how's that how's what they need from their from their data suppliers changed well i think with people being more remote uh, and not at the end of an office phone. Uh, mobile phone data, of course, been, is more important for outreach in terms of getting high response rates. So there's, there's a, I like there's a there's a number of shifts. One events uh, are less prominent, um, and 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 I'm actually ju- just <laughs> just signed up for my first uh, major event in um, in Boston uh okay. in August. Which so in the US it seems events are back alive, uh, but in uh, UK, I mean, again, we've got another wave going on, so it looks like again, um, events events going to be pushed back. So, so with I suppose uh, people t- t- attending less events, and also the, the I think really now a shift that work from home is is a new normal, a blend of like office and work from home is a new normal. Then of course, uh, mobile data is important for our business business outreach uh and and so people looking for more of that data and then just of course very very, very clean as you can meet people physically less just very clean uh out uh, data in terms of email data phone data so that you can actually outreach and 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 know that not waste time outreaching uh, so that you can you can just get uh, you know uh more more chances to to get your message across and win new customers yeah, and I think there's been attend as as CRMs have kind of gotten more complex a bit. There's been probably a tendency to hoard data, like any any scrap of things you can pull from from LinkedIn or email address or anything. To that, oh, it's data. We need it. Do you, do you think there are bits of data that companies are now looking in this new step, going, oh, you know, actually that that wasn't relevant. We're going to stop doing that. Has it has it led to a kind of cleaning out of the data cupboard, as it were? I think in general, there's a trend that companies getting more sophisticated about data. I mean, the U.S. is ahead of us, right? They have, you know, more job titles like um, sales ops, marketing ops, uh, those type of roles. Uh, you know, generally 
you know, th there is just a general trend to have uh, better CRM systems, um, you know, better data governance, um, sales engineering, marketing engineering, like those types of roles, uh, like uh, are now, you know, there's a trend to make those roles more prominent and people just being a lot smarter about their data, making sure that the data is clean, accurate, up to date, you know, uh, I don't know how many, you know, CRM systems I've seen, you know, even Salesforce systems where people just have, you know, lots of lots of bad old data in there that that doesn't really help the sales funnel, the marketing funnel. Um, you know, doesn't really, you know, ideally for every company you have, um, you know, all your current customers, you have like every important contact to those customers, um, and you know, you have um, good engagement with all those customers, uh, and I think you know. Very few companies have that because they don't have very um, you know, well-engineered uh, data processes um, in their CRM. Usually, the, most of the data is being injected at the point of sale um, and, and the part of the point of new business. And then there's very poor data processes around keeping that data accurate, up to date, and bringing in new contacts on a regular basis. Like that, usually that isn't somebody's job. And so it's done very poorly in a lot of CRM systems. And so, you know, it, it's of course cheaper to retain a customer and to expand a customer's revenue than it is to win new business. But usually um, companies put a lot, a lot less resources into that than they do into winning new business. So uh, I think that, that that's being recognized now. And then there's a lot more um, for going into the data uh, and customer relationships and just keeping all the data accurate. I think that that will be the main shift as well as lo alongside a lot of what's, um, you know, this acceleration of a trend to, you know, more of a digital, more of a, a, a remote world, digital world because of COVID, which just accelerated a trend that was already there. Yeah, one of the ways I've seen some companies do with this is actually having a chief data officer, like a re a putting data really directly in the boardroom. Do you think that's a, a positive step, or is that kind of putting data into a into kind of a silo where the opportunity where the opposite view would be data is kind of everyone's responsibility, it is the job of the sales team and the marketing team and account managers or customer success, whatever it is, they all need to have that input. Does does appointing a chief data officer just pull pull it out of all those other teams' responsibility? I suppose then it depends on what like the, the background of that. I mean, there's two. There's a split there, right, between the regulatory component, uh, which you know, of course, we are all more aware of because of GDPR, CCPA, um, just you know, new 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 rules coming out on an ongoing basis in different states in the U.S. and and different countries in the world. Um, evolution of GDPR as case history gets set. So so there's that point where it's a regulatory piece to actually just govern the data in the right way. So there's a governance perspective from a regulatory perspective there now that's important but it it it, it doesn't mean that you then engineered your you i guess your revenue processes to map to maximize engineered your data to maximize your revenue processes right that's again separate and it requires a different skill set it really requires somebody that understands crm systems um sources of data um sales processes all of all of that's so all, all of those components, which right now are quite complicated, given all the tools and technologies that are there, you need really need like an engineer, a geek to kind of like dive into all of that, which is very separate to a regulatory person that looks at it from a regulatory perspective. You know, I think it would be rare to find a data geek 
um, who also is a lawyer, <laughs> who, who really wants to understand all the regulatory aspects. But, you know, you need to kind of marry those two things. I think that's quite a challenge, right, uh, to marry those two skill sets together and then get very good regulatory um you know overview oversight to the processes and there's new tools and technologies appearing for that um plus having the skill sets to really engineer really good data processes to maximize you know the potential of your your customer to maximize your revenue potential um which you know the, the, again there's so much benefits and you can drive so much faster growth by getting that component right but you need to bring the right people with the right skills in sure okay and if I'm back from that kind of d the link between data and revenue, do you think things like physical events are going to bounce back? Because I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of the last time I went to a trade show, which is you know a good two years ago, probably now between between you say COVID and the and the calendar events as it was. But I seem to remember that you don't get like the data you get from events is potentially some of the worst quality data that I you know I got told that some people actually create an email address specifically to hand that out at trade shows so they can okay. so they can um, funnel the the, uh, the inevitable wave of follow-up to that so do, do you think they can bounce back or is there is are people looking at them and going actually you know what we're getting such bad data from them we can do things better another way I always loved events I love meeting people okay. I love I love, I love, yeah, uh, I love attending events uh, so um, and it, to be honest like highlight a uh, you know, certain highlights of building this of Cognizant have been a lot of the, the event shows that we've done and the contacts I've met have definitely helped with building relationships and finding new contacts and, and just learning about the industry. So, uh, you know, um, so it's like tensive signs from the US when, when things fully reopen and people um, get a lot, society, the society gets a lot more comfortable. I think, you know, the US is further ahead of us in terms of uh, opening up and I suppose not being um, so as as worried about COVID as the UK is at the moment. Um, but of course, UK is going through a new a new wave at the moment. I've got lots of staff falling falling ill at the moment with COVID. So you know, it is it is bad again here. Um, then then uh, you know, it looks at the moment like events will be pop uh, events will be popular again. People will attend um, and they'll bounce back. Um, so. Yeah, right now I'm I've got I'm two, attending two events this year in the US. So you know I'm I'm um you know uh, well I'll I'll report back once to you once yeah, I, yeah, I as I come back <laughs> tell you what it was we'll like. The podcast after that, yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, I mean I I think they will because I think that the the that they um you can connect customers you can't reach um in on on out, outbound and um on inbound even um and it also gets your brand out there in a different way so you know i think it's an important element of any go-to-market strategy is to, to do events but you know you also have to do those well and have people who can do that do events well because you can just burn money by doing an event very poorly as well so um you know again i think it i think it blends in i, I think um um won't be as as strong as it was pre the crisis but um We'll select, let's, let's see. Yeah, the two things I've thought of there. One is events, either events will bounce back because everyone's been so cooped up. They're like, oh, I want to go and see people. And that, that's where I come from. I'm a very sort of extrovert people person naturally. So being in a huge exhibit center surrounded by noise and things like that's that's my, I'm happy there. That's much better for me. Oh, but there's also, but there's also that kind of competing other, you know, we've been 
we've, we've shut down events and I haven't actually lost anything. So why would we go back to it? I'd be interested to see how that how that pans out. Yeah, there's a couple of conferences, uh, trade shows in our sector. One that's pushed themselves back for a year, and the other one that's planning to go ahead when I'm, as we're recording this, and they think we're going to put it off. Because I also wonder if events you'll get a smaller turnout, but you'll get a better turnout. Like you won't, you know. I think <laughs> you could argue that, like some people would go to events as a, as a little bit of a jolly before, like oh yeah, yeah, I'm going to a trade show to check out our exhibitors, but really you just want you want to have a day out in London. Really? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I always find, like, for me as a CEO, I make a lot of good strategic connections there and have over the years. Um, because I'm, a, I suppose, like, I'm a, I love networking. So for me, it's good at, from that perspective. Um, yeah, I mean, right now, I, I would give budget to it again, but, you know, you know, uh, you know I, w I would agree, right? We haven't, we've been growing really well without events. So, you know, will if we put events back in, is it gonna um, like be a little bit of a top up, or is it gonna be a distraction for the team, um, and then actually you end up with the same net performance? But you know, or you know, now that we are of the right size, I can probably just split out an events team that does that, and then they have a quota to achieve, and so then we can see that you know if they if they make their on the return on that investment, um, and then it's split out from. You know the fact that knowing now that the marketing team can achieve what they can achieve without events, then maybe we we have a separate events team and they have their own quota. Yeah, as a data company, you guys should be perfectly placed to to set some targets and real and also sure. put the put the metrics on there that sometimes are are a little bit missing for new venues. Um, I wanted to twist it around a little bit and talk about something that maybe might be a slightly longer term trend of bought data generally. That um within marketing automation, email marketing, which is where we sort of sit as a company, it's still like a, almost a, almost a dirty word, that there's a lot of ESPs that will not allow you to send things to purchase data. Do you think as, as an industry it has gotten significantly better over, I don't know, a couple of years, time frame, five, you have along the trend going for? Right now my view is that, that you know, now there's like a standard about what makes clean data in terms of, you know, doing um, you know, in terms of how the data is collected, in terms of doing notifications, so you're not doing invisible processing. Uh, on the in the B2B space, I think that now a standard for what is compliant data is is kind of set uh, after you know, given where GDPR and the time that we've gone over and how the regulators are, are approaching it. Um, there's a nice set pattern now to people being being able to send in data subjects um, access requests getting those processed um, the, the, you know the, the regulator dealing with issues um, complaints um, and that that you know I, I believe there's a nice process now um, and I think of course cognizant we, we super focus on being the most comp compliant supplier um, you know making sure that we vet numbers against the do not call list and all, all of that so you know, I, I'm very comfortable about our positioning and I'm very comfortable with actually how it's all working a lot more than I was, say, you know, when GDPR came out. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how it evolves. But right now, I think that there's a really clear as a cadence with um, in, in the B2B data space. Um, you know, I'm, I'm less involved in the B2C data space, um, but but um, I think certainly in the B2B space, it's, the, you know, the, there's a nice um, relationship between data subjects, the regulator, and the and the data companies. Cool. 
can, what's invisible processing? I heard you use that right at the beginning, and I suddenly thought I'm not entirely sure what that is. Oh, so there was a, there was a, a, a um, like a, a ruling against Experian um, uh, just uh, just bef in October of I believe 2020. Um, it's on the ICO website um, where they, they, there was a complaint made against them that they hadn't notified data subjects that that uh, they held data on them. Um, so that's that's what you, is termed invisible processing. So when you don't do notifications uh, yeah. to data subjects, then uh, it, that's deemed um, invisible processing. So for us, for instance, we notify everybody that they're in our data asset. So we send emails to ev every data subject that they're in our data asset, and then um, then they have a chance to write back and say, okay, we don't want to be in the data asset, and then they remove their details. So in the, in that way, um, you know, everybody's informed that we hold data on them. Okay. <laughs> thanks, like, yeah, thanks for that. It makes sense, but I sort of better, better check it because if I don't know it, then presumably people listening um, may well not as well. Uh, one of the things we've got to let me sort of go, uh, I'll start that again. One of the things I think we've kept Maz back on is that the last 12 months have kind of just accelerated trends that were there anyway. But just to sort of Finish off. Do you think there are new trends coming forward for the next 12 months that are that are brand new that savvy marketers need to be thinking about in terms of their data? Well, the, there's the which Google's pushed back on now. The elimination of cookies, right, is going to be a big change. You know, if if that does happen, or they might just keep pushing it back. The, when it gets harder to target people online and target them accurately, um, that's going to be a shift because you're going to see um, on inbound marketing, I suppose, cost per leads going higher. Um, so that that would definitely be one trend that would, I, I think, you know, again, get get a, a lot of companies I've seen um, run an inbound only strategy. Um, you know, I, I think there's, you know, I would say that companies missing out on growth if they're, they're not running a, outbound and inbound process um, because you're just missing on all the outbound growth there's only a certain fraction portion of the market that's ever looking at, you know that, that's actually at a point where they're actually actively searching um, there's a lot of prospects that when you outreach to them um, they're definitely in a pain point and they definitely want to have a new solution a new a new provider um, or, or or a new technology um, but you need to kind of outreach to them um, so I hope you know. Of course, you know, for us, we're, where we're more focused on the outbound side ourselves in terms of our platform, then um, you know, the the you know, I, I think the trend is towards uh, people recognizing that and then doing more outbound, um, and and so I think that that's uh, another key trend. Uh, so. Yeah, I say like that. There's that. There's also like a, a consolidation. A bit of the you know you, you saw this week. Um, you know, Zoom info by Chorus.ai in conversational intelligence. You saw um, demand base um, by Demand Matrix and um, buying Inside View in the US. So th there's there's a consolidation of tools um, in the in the sales and marketing space um, coming together and. and I suppose we'll see, have to see whether people want to buy an all-in-one package that does everything, rather than specialist tools that that are kind of best in class. In in so we'll, I, we'll see, um, you know, the, 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 like how that how that pans out. But that's definitely a trend in terms of consolidation to just create bigger sales and marketing tech companies that that are just larger in size and then of course can raise money at cheaper rates and you know command bigger valuations on public markets so um 
I think that yeah, the, the, the right now for me, those are the kind of two key trends: the 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 ability to target and also the consolidation of uh, the, the the of all these different sales and tech companies coming together and then providing all in one platforms. Yeah, I can see that because I'm, 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 I imagine that the the biggest cause of lost data or rubbish data is probably you know you bring you get a new sales manager they bring in a brand new sales system brand new prospecting tool whatever it is and that pulls in loads of data but then then they move on to another job and that tool falls out of fashion so if you've got a, a system that is all in one you've got a better chance of keeping it up to date because it is all because you're not all of a sudden you've not got a silo of stuff that you yeah i suppose it, it will be a bit about um you know, if you have like the talent internally in your company to to thread these systems together and with all the best in class systems together then of course you'll get the best bang for your buck um in terms of um your actual growth um like if you if you if you don't have that you know i, I suppose like if if, if, it, if you need it simplified and you don't really have the internal talent then an all-in-one solution might make sense if it delivers what it says on the tin right uh, so, so to, you know, to, to be seen. So I, I think, it, yeah, it'll, 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 that that you might find then in terms of you know SMBs um, gravitate towards all-in-one platforms, and mid-market enterprise companies, you know, will have the talent internally to thread the best-in-class systems together and get better results than the all-in-one platforms. You know, that that's typically how it's gone previously. Um, you know, um, when you know when you've had all in one platforms versus um you know um so it's like engineered engineered systems cool okay i think that's a nice future prediction to to wrap the podcast up i know we've given people plenty to think about so once again thank you very much for joining us on the podcast thank you thanks thank you for inviting me Thank you for joining us for another episode of That Marketing Podcast. You clearly have wonderful taste. We hope you found the content useful and and enjoyed it. We'd love you to subscribe wherever it is you're listening to us. Maybe leave us a review. If you can think of a topic that you, you'd like us to cover, or even if you fancy coming on the podcast and sharing your own experience on a particular topic, uh, you can reach us at marketingteam at spotler.co.uk. Thanks once again and happy marketing.